Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, good morning. Good morning to you. On this um, beautiful Thursday morning. And I apologize for not um, being online yesterday. But today, we are going to, we're going into lesson nine of, of Romans chapter three. And uh, we finished up and completed lesson eight on Tuesday. And today we're moving on to lesson three of Romans. But I'm going to... um. I'm going to, um, we're going to read Romans chapter 3, verse 1 through 20 before I go into the lesson so that we can know exactly where we're at and what we are uh, talking about in lesson 9. Let us go into prayer before we read Romans chapter 3. Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love, Lord God, and your faithfulness. Thank you for waking us up this morning. As we go into Romans chapter 3, Lord, give us understanding of your word. Enlighten us. Illuminate our hearts. And if there's anything in our hearts, Lord, that is blocking us from hearing your word and hearing your voice and receiving your message, Lord, we ask, O oh Father, that you would remove it. We thank you, Lord. In the name of your Son, Yeshua, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Let us begin. Romans chapter 3. The title in my Bible says, Jews do not believe the oracles of God, God's faithfulness. What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because that unto them were committed the oracles of Elohim. For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of Elohim without effect? May that never be so, yea, let Elohim be true, but every man a liar. As it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. But if our unrighteousness <clears throat> commend the righteousness of Yahweh, what shall we say? Is Elohim unrighteous, who taketh vengeance? I speak as a man. May it never be so. For then how shall Elohim judge the world? For if the truth of Elohim had more abounded through my lie unto his honor, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather, as we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. 
What then? Are we better than they? No, and no wise. For we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understand it. There is none that seek it after Elohim. They are all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that do it good, no, not one. <clears throat> their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of apts is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. <clears throat> their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of Yahweh before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith is said to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before Elohim. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. That was Romans chapter 1, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 3, verses 1 to 20, we just read. And um, that is our scripture um, verses for chap chapter uh, lesson 9. And our key verse is, now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silent and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscience of sin. In the last lesson dealing with Romans 2, we saw how Paul went straight for the jugular in his argument that all mankind, both Jew and Gentile, are equally under God's judgment and equal in need of the gospel. But Paul knows that his Jewish readers will rise, raise objections to what he has just said in Romans 2. And so in Romans 3, he addresses these objections. The Jews' objections. <clears throat> Having once been a Jewish scholar and pro propounder of the law, Paul understands perfectly the kind of objections the Jews will rise to his statements in the previous chapter, that the Jews are as guilty as the Gentiles in God's sight, and that God is interested in man's heart, not his outward religious observances. As though he is having an imagery uh, debate, he sets out to answer the three main objections they would raise. If we freely paraphrase verses 1 through 4, the debate would be go something like this. Objection number one. If what you say is true, that the Jew and Gentile are in the same position before God, then what you are saying is that there is really no advantage in being a Jew. Verse 1. Paul answers 
verse 2. God has separated the Jews, Paul says Paul, for a very specific purpose. Through them, he was going to send the Savior and reach a world estranged from him. Not only did the Jews possess God's moral law, you can read that in Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 17, but through the prophets and in the picture form of their worship, God had revealed his complete plan of salvation. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 15, the writer explains, we read, the point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by man. Every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in the heaven. This is why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. Let us turn to Hebrews. We're going to turn to Hebrews chapter 9. And we're going to read verses 1 through 11. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1 through 11. The title of this is Sanctuary of the Old Covenant. Worship in the Earthly Tabernacle. <clears throat> then verily the first covenant had also ordinance of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna and Aaron's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant. And over it, the cherubim of majesty shadowing the mercy seat, of which we cannot now speak particularly. Now when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the services. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself, and for the errors of the people. The Holy Spirit, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices, that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience which stood only in meats and drinks and divers washings and carnal ordinance imposed on them until the time of reformation. Now let's read verse 22 to 24 of Hebrews chapter 9. And it reads, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, 
and without shedding of blood is no remission, no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For the Messiah is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of Elohim for us. Now let's turn to Hebrews chapter 9. Uh, Hebrews chapter 10. And we're going to read verse 1 through 20, uh, 22. And the title of this is Christ's Sacrifice Once for All. For the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared for me. And burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me, to do thy will, O Elohim. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offering and burnt offerings, and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither had pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Yeshua, the Messiah, once for all. And every priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered once one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of Elohim. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. For by one offering he had perfected forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Spirit also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, said Yahweh. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Yeshua, by a new and living way, which he had consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of Elohim, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 
It had all been recorded in the written word of God in the Old Testament. The Jews had not fully understood it and had misinterpreted it, but nevertheless, it was their possession. They had been entrusted with the words of God, and this entrusting by the very definition of the word meant that God had given it to them for a reason, for a purpose. The Jews did have a special place in God's plan, but it was a place of responsibility, not favoritism. Indeed, even today, the Jews are special to the plan of God, as Paul will explain in greater detail in Romans 9 through 11. Objection 2. Well, maybe it's true that some of the Jews have been unfaithful and haven't believed, but God still gave them special promises. Are you saying that God is breaking his promises to them? That would make God unfaithful too. Verse 3. Paul's answer, verse 4. A covenant is a two-sided contract. God's promises to the Jews were mostly conditional. In other words, he promised the, to bless them if they keep, if they kept the provisions of the covenant. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 11. It says a covenant is a two-sided contract. God's prom promises to the Jews were mostly conditional. In other words, he promised to bless them if they kept the provisions of the covenant. Here in Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 11, we, we read, If you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you as he swore to your forefathers. Let's jump down to, um, let's read 9 to 26 and it read, Know therefore yet Yahweh thy Elohim, he is Elohim the faithful El, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations, and repair them that hate him to their face, to destroy them. He will not be slack to them, him that hated him, he will repay him to his face. Thou shalt therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which I command thee this day to do them. Wherefore it shall come to pass if ye hearken to these judgments and keep and do them, that Yahweh thy Elohim shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he swore unto thy fathers. And he will love thee, and bless thee, and multiply thee. He will also bless the fruit of thy womb, and the fruit of thy land, thy corn, and thy wine, and thine oil, the increase of thy king, and the flocks of thy sheep, and the land which he sware unto thy fathers to give thee. Thou shalt be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you, or among your cattle. And Yahweh will take away from thee all sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt, which thou knowest, upon thee, but will lay them upon all them that hate thee. And thou shalt consume all the people which Yahweh thy Elohim shall deliver thee. Thine eyes shall have no pity upon them, 
neither shalt thou serve their Elohims, their gods, in other words, for that will be a snare unto thee. If thou shalt say in thine heart, These nations are mine, then I, I, how can I dispossess them? Thou shalt not be afraid of them, but shalt, shalt well remember what Yahweh thy Elohim did unto Pharaoh and unto all Egypt. The great temptations which thy eyes saw, and the signs and the wonders and the mighty hand, and the stretched out arm, whereby Yahweh thy Elohim brought thee out, so shall Yahweh thy Elohim do unto all the people of whom thou art afraid. Moreover, Yahweh thy Elohim will send the hornet among thee, them, until, the, until they that are left and hid hide themselves from thee be destroyed. Thou shalt not be affrighted at them, for Yahweh thy Elohim is among you, a mighty El to be held in awe. And Yahweh thy Elohim will put out those nations before thee by little and little. Thou mayest not consume them at once, lest the beast of the field increase upon thee. But Yahweh thy Elohim shall deliver them unto thee, and shall destroy them with a mighty destruction until they be destroyed. And he shall deliver their kings into thy hand, and thou shalt destroy their name from under heaven. There shall no man be able to stand before thee until thou have destroyed them. The graven images of their Elohim shall ye burn with fire. Thou shalt not desire the silver or gold that is on them, nor take it unto thee, lest thou be snared therein. For it is an abomination to Yahweh thy Elohim. Neither shalt thou bring an abomination into the, thine house, lest thou be a cursed thing like it. But thou shalt utterly detest it, and thou shalt utterly abhor it, for it is a cursed thing. Now these were the, um, the conditions that God gave to the children of Israel. And every promise that God even gives to us today through Christ has a condition. Now the people of Israel had received different promises uh, through four sources. One through Abraham. The primary covenant that God made with Israel was through their ancestor Abraham. One, the promise, salvation, blessing, and the inheritance of a heavenly city through Abraham's seed. You can read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 through 10. Genesis chapter 15, verse 5 and 6. And Galatians chapter 3, verse 6 and 9. And to the condition faith. Romans 4, chapter 1. Uh, Romans 4, verses 1 through 3. This covenant was fulfilled in Christ and the new covenant is initiated. Let's go to Galatians chapter 3 and we're going to read verse 16. Then we're going to jump to verse 26 through uh, 29. And in Galatians chapter 3 verse 16 reads, Now to Abraham 
and his seed were the promises made. He said not unto seeds, as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is the Messiah. Let's jump down to verse 26, and it reads, For ye are the children of Yahweh by faith in the Messiah, Yeshua. For as many of you as have been baptized into the Messiah have put on the Messiah. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bound nor free, there is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in the Messiah, Yeshua. And if ye be the Messiahs, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. 2. The promise, the source of the promise came through Moses. God made a secondary covenant with Israel at Sinai, a covenant designed to protect them from the assault of idolatry around them. Hallelujah. The cities that they were getting ready to go and possessed, were, they were worshiping idols. And we all know that worshiping idols is of the devil. So God wanted, wanted to remove these idol worshipers from the land that he had promised to Abraham. God made a secondary covenant with Israel at, Saint, at, uh, at Mount Sinai after they were delivered from Egypt, won the promise, inheritance of the earthly land promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 7, Genesis chapter 13, verses 14 through 17, Genesis chapter 15, verses 7 and 8, and Genesis chapter 17, verse 8. Blessing and victory over their enemies. Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 through 8. <clears throat> Let's turn there. Exodus chapter 6. Verses 6 through 8. And we can apply these same promises um, to um, us today for those that are in Yeshua, the Messiah, the promise. Exodus chapter 6, verse 6 through 8, we're going to read. Wherefore, say unto the children of Israel, I am Yahweh, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage. And I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people. And I will be to you an Elohim. And ye shall know that I am Yahweh your Elohim, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you in unto the land concerning that which I did swear to give to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for an heritage. I am Yahweh. Let's jump, uh, let's go to Exodus chapter 23. And we're going to read verses 20 to 23. I'm sorry, let's jump to Acts. The book of Acts, chapter 7, 
and we're going to read verse 2 to 7. And it reads, And he said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The Elohim of majesty appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran, and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and come into the land which I shall show thee. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And afterward, when his father was dead, he removed him into this land wherein ye now, now dwell. And he gave him none inheritance in it, no, not so much as to sit his foot on. Yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession and to a seed after him, when as yet he had no child. And Elohim spoke in this manner, that his seed should sojourner in a strange land, and that they should bring them into bondage and entreat them evil for uh, evil four hundred years. And the nation to whom they shall be in bondage will I judge, said Elohim. And after that shall they come forth and serve me in this place. Here he is talking about their bondage in Egypt. These were prophecies that were being spoken to Abraham, hallelujah, that what would happen to the, his, the, his descendants' uh, children, that they would go into bondage. But the promise was to inherit the inheritance of the earthly land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Blessing and victory were over their enemies, that God was going to defeat their enemies and remove them. Hallelujah. To the condition, obedience to God's commandments. Let's go to Exodus uh, chapter 19. And we're going to read verse 5 and 6. There is a condition to God's promise. Obedience to God's commandments. In Exodus 19 verse 5 through 6 he says... Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. Now, let's jump to Deuterometry. Chapter 5, verse 32 and 33, we're going to read. And it reads, Ye shall observe to do therefore as Yahweh your Elohim had commanded you. Ye shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. Ye shall walk in all the ways which Yahweh your Elohim had commanded you, that ye may live and that it may be well with you, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which ye shall possess. Hallelujah. Also read Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11 through 20, and chapter 28, concerning the conditions of the promise that was made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This covenant went through two Pendium swings. It was continually broken by Israel prior to the Babylonian exile. 
And then by Jesus' day, the pendulum had swung in the opposite direction with the Pharisees over legalizing the covenant by adding their own man-made commandments to the body of God's law. And this is going on today that we are adding, hallelujah, we're adding more things for people to do to God's commandments than what God originally said for us to do. And they were legalizing in Jesus' day the covenant. Hallelujah. Making it hard for anyone to enter into the kingdom of God. There are promises that God has made to, um, to us through Christ the Messiah. But there are conditions to that promise that we cannot worship idols. Hallelujah. That, that we have to watch over God's word. Hallelujah. Be a doer of the word. Keep his commandments, which is being taught otherwise in the body of Christ. Glory to God. To obey God. To follow his instructions. Hallelujah. There are conditions to the promise. Okay, through David. He also continued that promise through David. God extended his covenant with Abraham with additional promises to David. The promise, an eternal throne and dominion. You can read Psalms 89, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 8 through 16. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 through 7, and Jeremiah, chapter 33, verse 17 to 26. The condition, unconditional, 1 Kings, chapter 11, 6 through 13, and verse 32 and verse 36. This covenant extension was also fulfilled in Christ. Let's go to Jeremiah, Chapter 23, that's Jeremiah chapter 23, and we're going to read verses 5 and 6. Hallelujah. The covenant extension was also fulfilled in Christ. In Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5 and 6, it reads, Behold, the days come, said Yahweh, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper and shall execute judgment and justice in the land. In his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. And this is his name, whereby he shall be called Yahweh our righteousness. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 33. And we're going to read verses 14 through 16. And it reads, Behold, the days come, said Yahweh, that I will perform that good thing which I have promised unto the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time will I cause the branch of righteousness to grow up unto David, and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. In those days shall Judah be saved, and Jerusalem shall dwell safely. And this is the name wherewith Ye, she shall be called Yahweh our righteousness. 
Let's go. Let's jump to Isaiah. We're going to go to Isaiah chapter 9. And we're going to read verse 6 and 7. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty El, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judge, judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of Yahweh of hosts will perform this. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 and 7 is a future uh, fulfillment of Christ's kingdom when Christ returns, hallelujah, for the bride. Hallelujah. When he returns for the bride, it says that um, Satan would have reigns for a thousand years. And then when Christ returns again, he's coming to destroy his enemies. Glory to God. And to set up his kingdom. Glory to God. Luke chapter 1 verse 32 to 33 reads, He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And Yahweh Elohim shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Now let's jump to Revelations chapter 22, verse 16. Hallelujah. I, Yeshua, have set my angel to testify unto you these things in the assemblies. I am the root and the offspring of David, and the bright and morning star. Let's read verse 17. And the spirit and the bride say come. And let him that hear it say come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. Christ when he returns will set up his kingdom. And it will be forever. It's an eternal kingdom. This is why it's important for us to be prepared, hallelujah, for the king's return. Um, through the prophets, the promise was spoken also to continue on to bring to their remembrance the promise that God has spoken through the prophets. Down through Old Testament history, God, God filled in many of the blanks concerning the future fulfillment of the Abrahamic and David covenants through his prophets. The promises, most of the promises were concerning the coming of the Savior. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 to 34. And also Luke chapter 17, verse 20 through 24 and Luke 19 verse 11 some were promises of the return of the Jews the sand of the seashore to their earthly inheritance the land you can read that in Isaiah chapter 11 verse 11 and 12 which is being going on today the condition God's promises through the prophets 
were factual statements of what would happen in the future and are therefore were mostly unconditional. In all these promises, God is faithful. As Paul states in Romans chapter 3 verse 4, Paul then quotes from Rome, uh, Psalms 51 verse 4, so that you may be proved right when you speak and prevail when you judge. The full text of that verse is, against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Paul's Jewish readers would have been familiar with that Old Testament quotation, for indeed Old Testament had proven time and time again that it was against God that Israel had sinned and that God was proven right in his judgments against Israel. And Paul is saying now is no different. Once again, God's character is untarnished. God has, as always, been proven true in his dealings with mankind. Objection three. From all you said, it seems that our disobedience and sin serves a good purpose. It makes God's righteousness stand out even more. Isn't, that, isn't God being unfair then to punish us when our sins are enhancing his goodness? Verse 5 through 8. Now, mind you that the Jews, hallelujah, Jewish leaders were, were up under, under the control of Satan. And this is why they had, they were, there was so much opposition with Paul. Hallelujah. Satan can take what is of God and twist it in such a way, hallelujah, that people would uh, believe in it. But Paul came to destroy that era that seeped in into uh, the Jewish culture, into the law. Hallelujah. Paul's answer is in verse 8 and 9. He says, Paul's response to that objection is quick and straightforward. Their condemnation is deserved. Anyone who has an understanding of God's nature, who have not sur suppressed the truth by their wickedness, could never bring, bring such an agonization against God. Paul now brings his imaginary debate to its conclusion. Imagery imminary debate to conclusion. He said his answer to the Jews' objections are irrefutable. He has scattered every conceivable point they have brought in their defense and self-justification. Now he brings home once again the fact he proved previously, as the living Bible puts it, all men alike are sinners, whether Jew or Gentile. All of us are sinners. We were born into sin. We have a sin nature. Hallelujah. And Paul came, hallelujah, to refute what they were teaching. Hallelujah. That what they were teaching to the people. That they had added to God's law. They had added rules and regulations. Hallelujah. To God's law. Nowhere do you read in the Ten Commandments when, especially when it said you sh uh, the Sabbath day, that you shall not, you shall do 
not work on the Sabbath day. Do any work. God was point, looking at um, our jobs, earning money on the Sabbath day. That was a day of rest. But the, the, the Jews, the uh, Pharisees had legalized God's uh, law by adding, you can't even pick up your mat and walk. That's breaking the Sabbath. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can't even cook. It was a lot of rules and regulations that they added that were a burden to the people. Jesus came to fulfill, hallelujah, the law. Glory to God. It's dealing, the Sabbath deals with our work. Hallelujah. Working means working. Glory to God. Uh, tomorrow we're going to read um, our next subject. We're going to read about the divine courtroom. We're going to get into that on tomorrow because my time is run out. And um, I pray that that this has blessed you. Um, uh, uh, Romans chapter 3. Uh, we're in study a 9. Hallelujah. And we'll continue on tomorrow. Just to let you know, beloved, that <clears throat> I know that some of us would like to hear elegant words and profound teachers. But God will take the simple things in life, the simple, hallelujah, to profound the wise. Never... I heard a sermon last night about um, uh, Pastor Bentley was talking about procrastination and fear. And I can kind of relate to what he was saying. Uh, procrastination. Oh, I will get to it. I will get to it. I will get to it. And I was convicted on yesterday because I did not do the study yesterday. But pray for me that I will continue the assignment that God has given me to complete the book of Romans uh, with you and to record the book of Romans. I'm just a simple handmaiden of the Lord sharing the word of God with you, sharing the studies that I am doing uh, on, at college with you because I want you to have a perfect understanding and knowledge of the things of God and what's really going on. And, um, you know, everyone has a mission. Everyone has a ministry. And if your ministry is in teaching spiritual warfare, then teach spiritual warfare. If your ministry is in teaching the Old Testament, teach the Old Testament. If your ministry is into teaching the New Testament, teach it. But let our focus be completely on the kingdom of God, preparing the people for kingdom living, preparing the people for the king's return. See, we can get all this knowledge about spiritual warfare and all this other stuff. But if our hearts are not prepared for the king's return, he will say to us, I never knew you. God wants to circumcise the heart. This is what God is after, your heart. Hallelujah. And that we be obedient to his commands. 
If, if you have sin in your heart, beloved, please repent. Please repent. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, it says, confess your sins. If you confess your sins to God, that he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Christ wants to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And the only way he can do that is if we confess our sins, if we confess our shortcomings. Hallelujah. We are not perfect. The only man, um, the only man outside of Christ that was perfect was um, Enoch. And God took Enoch because of the revelations God was giving him. Enoch walked upright before God in a perfect way. And we're, our salvation is a daily walk, beloved. And sometimes we may miss the mark, but God will give us another chance. He will strengthen and encourage us. That's why we should strengthen and encourage one another. Thank you, Father, for your word. Thank you for truth and righteousness, O oh Lord. Thank you, Father, that you illuminate our hearts and our minds to understand the truth, O oh Lord. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Yahweh. Thank you, Yahshua, for your blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, beloved, may God bless you. May God keep you. May God's face shine upon you as you continue to seek his face by sitting at his feet and learning of him. Until then, until tomorrow, God bless you and shalom. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.